Hello, you lovely, lovely people, and welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with the second interview with Matty Green, head coach and owner of Cumbria Strength and Conditioning over in the northwest of England, not the not the northeast, as I incorrectly said during the interview. Um, Matty's been on before, so. I'll link to to the to the original show if you want to get to know Matty's background a little bit more. Um, but it, it's so Matt very very quickly. Matty is a uh, the head strength and conditioning coach of a facility in Cambria, but trains with a lot of boxers, trains with a lot of MMA fighters, and, and strength and conditioning for jujitsu fighters as well. An incredibly knowledgeable uh, person when it comes to fight based strength and conditioning, and we talk about a lot of stuff today some really really great topics he gives some excellent recommendations in terms of other people to go and research for certain areas uh different books you know we talk a lot about you know scapular stability we talk about you know thoracic mobility um big problems for a lot of people functional range conditioning is something that comes up we talk about his pillars of athleticism we talk about his remote programming uh, we talk about grip strength and how we can underuse the strength in the ring finger and the pinky finger and what that means for both grip strength and you know pulling strength exercises we talk about dynamic neuromuscular stabilization um some very uh, sort of topics that are very you know uh, um, close to my heart in terms of performance etc etc so I, I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation and we also talk about um his crazy turkish get-up challenge um and he'll talk about it and it's as many turkish get-ups uh that can be done in an hour with a 24 kilo kettlebell um and matty thank you after we stopped recording he actually called me out and said i need to see you do the challenge um or you know similar words <laughs> so i think i've called myself out i could have left that out i could have pretended that i never heard it but i've put this into the recording now um and it's made me slightly nervous so we, we we'll, we'll learn all about that we we hear about triphasic training um interabdominal pressure a bunch of really 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 good stuff um so with that guys let's get on with the show you're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast, helping you be your best physically on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Um, there we go. Hi, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, you lovely, 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 lovely people, welcome to the latest episode of the, the BJJ Strength Podcast. I'm very excited to have back Matty Green from um, Cumbria Strength and Conditioning, calling in from the northeast of England. And not oh, shit, I, I, you know, I planned this in my head last night. Right, and I was, I said to Matty, I, I went to a gig last night and I got back late, and I planned this in my head, and I was planning the intro. I said, no, he's not the northeast. The northeast is like Newcastle. <laughs> and I and I pick and I I visualised you correcting me, so maybe that's the problem, right? Um, so I got it wrong. But we were, 
Uh, I was going to start on a couple of things. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about how the gym is going, and I've seen some updates from the fighters you've got. Um, we did, um, I'll, I'll link to the original podcast we did so people can get, get to know you on that podcast. So we'll skip all the intro and get into the good stuff. Um, but we were laughing. I was flicking through through your social, through, through Instagram, and you had a post of as many Turkish get-ups as possible within 60 minutes with, 24, yep. with a 24 kg kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why, first of all? <laughs> um, so I've recently, recently been on a course with, uh, with Strength Matters, um, and one of, the, one of the challenges on there, for, they've got like different layers of, uh, of assessments, um, and one of them is uh, a 60-minute Turkish kettle challenge to see if you can keep it aerobic. So keeping under a certain threshold, heart threshold, um, and nasal breathing, keeping breathing through your nose, and, and obviously just to see if you can do it, um, and to keep working that work capacity of sixty minutes non-stop. Mm. Like there's no stopping it. It's you know that worked out. I managed to get 136 reps, which is just over two reps a minute. Um, but yeah, it was good. It, it went really surprisingly fast. Um, yeah, I started the clock and uh, one of my members came in and she was like, uh, I was just about to start and there was no one else in, else in the gym. And um, she came in and said, how are you doing? I said, yeah, not too bad, but I might not be okay in about 60 minutes. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just about to start doing 60 minutes of Turkish get-ups. And she kind of like laughed as if to say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and when I was like looking deadly serious, she's like, what? <laughs> and then I started the clock and then yeah I just went for it um, kept a sustained pace kept breathing through my nose in and out nasal breathing and uh, yeah cracked it I was looking because your video you've got a clip I think you've got a, a, a rep from the, the first 10 minutes then you've got a rep right at the end yeah your, 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 that, your, your form looked really really good right at the end as well for in like in my opinion right in my limited limit yeah. opinion but uh, is that a big part of of the test as well to see how well yes the aerobic capacity the mental toughness but how well you're able to stabilize the positions for a length of time so stability endurance maybe if that's a term yeah. of course i mean like the the load wasn't like 24 kilos it's, it's not no, and light, and I've I've never done anything of that volume before. What so, do you What do you weigh? Eighty kilos. Uh, Eighty-five kilo. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> over twenty-five percent of your body weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've never done it for that volume before. My my max my one RM Turkish get up is forty-eight kilo. Okay. But I've never done twenty-four for for that often or for that time. So my form, um, I, I would. In that video, I'd say I, I wouldn't do a Turkish get-up like that. I wouldn't demonstrate it or perform it like that, but it had to become efficient. Um, and my movement had to be as efficient as possible. I couldn't stay completely solid and braced and locked out all the time or I'd be using too much energy. Yeah. So um, the fact that as I go into the transition phase of getting my leg on my knee underneath my body, normally I would extend the hips fully so I'm uh, in complete hip extension mm -hmm. and bending the knee under. 
but to, to save time and efficiency, I just lifted the hip up enough to get my knee underneath my body. So I was saving that little bit of extra energy um, throughout, throughout the full time. Um, I'm going to pull up and, the video real quick and watch it and, and watch it in, in, the, in the background <laughs> while you're talking about it. It's actually yeah, the very last, if you, people go to, Cam, I'll, I'll link to your social media, right? But it was the post was, yeah. it's the last post that you put up and uh, where, where, where were the areas that you found not so much the efficiency in the movement, actually the, the, the noise is going to be too much in my ears. It's putting me off um, with the, the music in the background. But where were the areas where you found you could, and I say rest in quotes because you can't rest. So there are you know certain places we're doing the Turkish get-up where it's a lot more strain on the body than, than other areas. But where there were certain parts where you, like this was you know, a resting period during the movement where you could kind of recoup. Um, not much, but really like thinking back on it. So as I've come down from one rep, you'll notice on the video, I, I, I roll, I grab the kettlebell and then roll it around the top of my head to get to my other side instead of coming over my chest. Yeah. Never do that. Right. I roll it around. And then from there, I then roll it up. I guess that little point there where I've rolled it around my head uh, there's no weight or load on me. Yeah, that's where I could take a nice breath into my into my stomach, a clean breath, and then come across, and then start to lock out, and then that little point there, I guess. But mm. settling into that rhythm and try and make it rep for rep, and I've I have got a little discrepant. Like my right arm is is stronger than my left. And okay, I'm just trying to maintain that left side. I mean, it's yeah. not huge. It's not huge, but it is noticeable. Yeah. Um, so my left side, I was really, you know, concentrating to keep it fully locked out, being aware that uh, my wrist position and and just making it as efficient as I could do, so I could sustain it for that period of time. Mm. Were there any areas that you saw started to break down as you went on, and that you really had to focus in on in terms of your form? Um. Not that I can remember. I, I think, I think really, yeah, dialing in and thinking about it. As I'm at the very top of the, the get up and uh, it's time to come back down. Sometimes, if if I overstretch a little bit with the with the reverse lunge, maybe that'd be yeah. So as I'm taking my leg back and putting my knee to the ground, mm-hmm. sometimes I might have stepped a little too far and then just overstretch and. So it wasn't as efficient as it could have been, but yeah, yeah, and I'd lose a little bit of stability. But my shoulders felt fine, you know, nothing, nothing really like ached. It, that, that night I was aching. Yeah. But next day I was surprisingly all right. I did think, my God, I'm going to be in for a tough time here tomorrow, but yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. That was going to be, yeah, that yeah. was going to be my next question because I see people do these. Like we'll, we'll talk about the rope climb challenge that I know you didn't get a chance to train for, but that's another interesting one as well. But I see people yeah. do these challenges and I just look and I just, it, it hurts thinking about what it may feel like the next day. You know, yeah. that's, what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I was going to ask you that. So, okay. okay. So you, you, you must have them, you know, I, I've seen you, the, the, you know, 
just you can just tell just by looking at your posture and the way that you've kind of you know set up your body and you know we talked about last time how you had problems and a lot of the stuff you do with the myofascial release you must have excellent shoulder and hip stability right because you're a lot of the weight you're bearing you know through the structure of your skeleton rather than the uh you know taking the load through the muscles and it, uh, you must have excellent shoulder stability to be able to do those money reps with good form and then the next day not feel you know too beaten up yeah um i mean and that, and that's only through uh, hard work like i would not when i was in the marines i don't think there's any chance i'd be able to do that yeah that, that change. no chance on earth like i was just too stiff um mm. uh, you know i was in a state of rounded shoulders uh, anterior tilt of my hips it, it would have broken me it would have mm -hmm. broken me but it just shows how far i've come uh in you know in the, the six seven years I've, I've left the marines but um thinking i was a fit guy back then but obviously now me now at 30 nearly 34 would be would trounce that yeah that lad who, who i used to be so yeah um, yeah it, it's taking time but other than the obvious of do practice in the Turkish get-up, which is, um, you know, essential. I suppose if you want to do 136 reps in 60 minutes, I'm laughing. I'm blown away by it. Um, you got to, you got to check to see if that's a record. Um, <laughs> what, what are the, what are the other exercises that you work on to work on, you know, good hip stability and good shoulder, shoulder stability? Um, lots of single legs, lots of single legs, uh, stuff. I, I barely, do any bilateral back squatting um yeah. myself i do do a little bit but not much um so i, I feel f for me to increase my maximal like my absolute strength with a back squat would, would probably put my my lower back at risk mm -hmm. so maybe it's psycho psychological factor i don't like to back squat heavy um i'll back squat for reps for like muscular endurance um, I'll do a lot of single leg uh, deadlifts, a lot of um, balance work, and yeah. of course, like when I'm taking classes, and you know we're warming up, I'm warming up with the guys. I'm I'm accumulating all that, you know, the single leg, the balance work that we do. I'm I'm accumulating that over time, class you're, to class, because you're demonstrating it, and yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, in, in like some days I don't need really need to train, and I know if we've got quite a complex class or I've got some clients that I'm showing exercises to where I need to go over them again and, you know, make sure I can do them. That's where I'm accu accumulating that total load over time. Yeah. Um, yes. Single leg stuff, uh, lots of overhead carries, um, yeah. snatching as well. Kettlebell snatching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that type of stuff for my shoulder stability, the, the bottoms up work, Turkish get up, uh, sorry, bottoms up work. Um, even with the Turkish get up, we've got a good little drill that we do that I've seen before. I can't remember. I saw it actually. Um, it was a you've got your shoe, so take your shoe off. Oh yeah. And then rest it on your knuckles. Do your Turkish get up with your shoe on. Yeah. And that way, if you've got you know like complete uh, vertical arm. Yeah. Uh, that one I did because otherwise, uh, otherwise the shoe falls off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did uh, a bottoms up get up with a kettlebell rested on the the bottoms up 
kettlebell. <laughs> it was a, I think it was a, a, it was an eight kilo with a four kilo rested on the, the underside of that. Um, it, I got it. Someone got it on video actually. Um, and you still have all your teeth. Still have all my teeth. I kind of committed to it. I didn't really. <laughs> I just tried it and I thought. Oh my god, I've I've got too far here, and then I've, I had to commit because then people were watching. So then, yeah, I got all the way up and back down without it dropping off. So, wow. So that, yeah, that, just, that's that's impressive, if if not quite mental. Stupid! Don't try that at home. <laughs> or wear a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I went. I know we were we were texting back and forth about topics and. I've been reading a lot on a dynamic neuromuscular stabilization um, over the last kind of three, four months. And yeah. I've not talked about it yet publicly because it's like, you know, you kind of learn, you know, learn and experiment with this stuff first. But it sounds, do you, is that something that you've studied yourself or is something that's built into the training that you've done? Because it seems to be incorporated either directly or indirectly to a lot of, a lot of the training that you do. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I, I can't say I've gone too in depth on the topic. Yeah. Um, but like reading, um, Todd Hargrove, a guide to better movement. He goes, he goes into that one. Todd Hargrove. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, obviously the built in patterns that we've got, we've learned from a baby. Yeah. Moving through life. Most of us have, have lost the ability. Like, um, Obviously, you've got kids yourself watching the kids move. We can't. We don't teach them to to roll. We don't teach them to to stand. They have to to build these patterns and stabilize themselves. Yeah. Um, it it really becomes apparent when, as an adult, we have to move load either your own body weight through sport or um, you know in the gym resistance training that that type of stuff. It being able to create that pressure. Uh, to create our spinal stability while our, our extremities are, are moving. Um, and I, th- I feel like I, I saw a little something on uh, runners having particularly uh, tough times w- with it because they can't hold that uh, that breath and that stabilization of the spine, yeah. um, building a dysfunctional diaphragm. And then, yeah, so a lot of the work we do um, I'll, I'll teach people how to breathe properly, focus on breathing, building that, you know, intra-abdominal pressure yeah. um, before we move on to moving external load. Yeah. Um, and, and like breathing for not only for, to create pressure and tension, but to, to create uh, for relaxation as well. Um, it's just important. You know, you can, t- you can flip the drills on their head and go from one minute having to lift a one RM deadlift to then doing a similar similar type drill, but for relaxation, getting your head down, going to sleep. Um, yeah. So the, the yeah. ability to, to roll, to crawl, uh, to, to, to do all those patterns while staying stable and limiting um, the potential for injury. Mm. Yeah, it's, massive. it's a massive one we do. Yeah, I, I was so that I didn't fully understand the crawl in the roll in the let's call them baby movements. Mm-hmm. Pro, the, the 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 kind of the real reason behind them until I'm reading a book 
pretty much finished. It's called Corrective Exercise Solutions to Common Hip and Shoulder Dysfunction by Evan Osser. I'll put yeah. his name in. I'll put his name in the notes. Right, great book. Yeah. And so, so, so the way this is my really simplistic understanding of it. You've got um, very basically two. Think about we have two layers of muscles. We have the superficial muscles, the big muscles like the pecs, like the lats, um, the outer fibers of the glutes, the quads. The the are the the, the the prime movers. So when we're you know when we're playing when we're playing sport or when we're lifting something when we're doing you know really big strong movements they become the prime movers. But we've also got a deeper layer of muscles, um, you know, within our body. So the, the the core is the best example where you've got the spinal erectors, um, and then the kind of the the abs, um, the rectus abdominis. Um, I think would be the correct term, but within that you've got the the transverse abdominus, which is um, you, I think you're better on these terms, right? So correct me if I'm wrong. And my kids are about to come in here, so we might, <laughs> might say hello to them in a second. <laughs> but think about the the transverse abdominus when you when you when you inflate. Hi, honey, I'm working. Hi, honey. Oh my God. I was going to say something really important, and now. <laughs> But I'm working. Can you take your sister out? You're going to say, well, Dee Dee can quickly say hi to Matty. Say hi. Hello, little one. Hello. Look. <laughs> hi, Inez. Oh, look Say hi. They're used to, they're used to Nana and Grandad on the, on, the, on the computer, aren't you? No, it's just some ugly bald bloke. <laughs> With a weird accent. Okay, honey, you need, can you go out? Because that is, that is working. And take your sister with you. Dee Dee, go chase, go chase, go chase Inez. Um, so, <laughs> where were we? So, the, so the, the, trans, yeah, the transverse abdominus, the way like, uh, Evan also explains it, and I've had other people explain it, but, you, know, you know, sometimes it just clicks. Um, that when you create tension in that, it becomes like an inflated balloon within a box. Yeah. Right. So then that creates the, that's what creates the interabdominal pressure and the, and the, and the stability. So that's one example of kind of one of some of the deeper stabilizing muscles. But what, um, what I think that the reason that the crawling is so, impo so important is because when children are younger, they haven't got big developed prime mover muscles. What they've got is the stability, mu the muscles. Yeah. They have to rely on those stability muscles. So when you go into the crawling, if you go into the crawling and still rely on the prime movers to stabilize the positions by really squeezing the glutes, really squeezing your abs, you you miss a big part of those exercises. You've also you almost got to learn to do those exercises with as little tension as possible, and learn to use those deeper muscles to stabilize the position. It's not as simple as just do crawling. You'll get benefits from just crawling, but there's a bit. I think there's a big piece that was missing from a lot of explanations that either I skipped over or didn't understand until until very recently, and it's going to really. Yeah opened my mind to a lot of things and I see a lot of it in the work that you do yeah yeah definitely it's um it's that, that transverse abdominus I, I I kind of refer to it as um your own weight belt I learned this from uh, from Phil mm. McDougall um think of it as like the belt um weight belt that you've you'd put around your waist to, to you know to lift weights or whatever like we've got our own and it is that transverse abdominus like a, almost like a corset around corset uh, yeah around the body and then to, to brace against that to almost brace for impact and then to create that big diaphragmatic breath that 
um, that breathing through the belly, that's when you're really creating that abdominal pressure. And then also the feeling of uh, stopping yourself from having a pee and a poo, engaging yeah. that pelvic floor as well. Yeah. And then really create, uh, you know, 360 up, down, right, left, that, that kind of complete tension. But it takes time to switch on because there's lots of things to, to think about. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it needs to happen in an instant if you're in sport. You know, uh, you, you you think about if you're taking if you're about to take someone someone down. If you're not, if you can engage that instantly, like subconsciously, you're going to create more force through the floor into your opponent. Whereas if you can or you don't know how to, yeah, you know, that you, you, that might be a takedown getting stuffed, um, or it might be you know a punch or a kick not quite as powerful or whatever it might be. So. Um, yeah. and also like it, once you've kind of, you, you, from going from the infant stage, uh, as you're developing, you, you, you posture, um, kind of becoming almost like mature, that'll start to begin to facilitate proper bone shape and joint, joint centration. Mm-hmm. So, um, that'll refer to like the, the most optimal mechanical advantage throughout the movement of the joint. So you can create that pressure, keep hold of the pressure, and then your joints are free to move as as optimally as possible. And as, as they should move. Yeah, as they should move, and that's going to, of course, limit limit the the chance of injury, and then um, you know make you more efficient at your at your sport or just life. Yeah, yeah, and because it's it's. Like the show, the shoulder, I think, is particularly interesting. But so many people have hand shoulders, and you know, because the scapula is is tilted, is tilted forward, right? And then if it if you're that's what creates the shoulder, essentially the shoulder joint, right? Is the scapula the I forget yeah. the names of all the all the bones, right? But the three the three bones that connect there, and if it's off just slightly, then that wear and tear over time, right, is just going to kind of you know, grind away and grind away. Yeah, gives, gives you problems in the labrum and that kind of stuff is yeah. is what I'm learning a lot. I, I say I'm learning. It's you know I've I've talked to uh, I've talked to other people on the podcast about it. Um, some people who specialize it specialize in it, but you know I've dived into it more deeply, and it's one of those things that you, it just sometimes it's the right time for you to understand it. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, yeah. One of the one of the one of the drills I've I've started using to train the transverse abdominus, and I I want to get your opinion on it, um, is that first and foremost, if you're lying on your back to, to do, do the breathing exercises, one of the things that's important to do is first breathe just to relax the body, to, to, you know, to, um, to calm down the central nervous system because then you start to relax the prime mover muscles that allows you to focus a bit more on the deep stabilizing muscles. And one of the things that I've been doing is getting a very light two and a half kilo, five pound plate very, very small, very, very light. And I'm lying on my back with my knees up, um, you know, head on the head on the floor or on a cushion. And then what I do is I get the weight plate and put it about where my belly button is. And then I, as I breathe out, I, I, I try to breathe out, but without actually tensing my, my abs, you know, the outer, the outer muscles, is as I breathe out, I don't want that weight plate to drop. So I've got to, as I, as I breathe out, I've got to maintain that tension in the transverse abdominus. And just doing yeah. that for like two minutes, everything starts like shaking. 
Um, right. and it, it's a fine balance between, um, you know, not tensing the outer muscles of, of, of the, the abdominal muscles and, you know, working the transverse abdominus. So it's kind of, it takes a lot of practice. Um, it's, I think a lot of the books talk about using, you know, lying on the back to work the breathing patterns because you're not worrying about stabilizing anything else. But it's, I find that's a really, really good exercise to try to train the transverse abdominus. So it's very, very lightweight, but it's enough. Yeah. It's enough that if you don't get the right stability, your, your stomach's going to collapse inwards, but you want to maintain that, that, that tension. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll give that one a go. I need to post a video on it. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, um, I, want, I wanted to bounce that ideas off that, that one with you because it's new, it's new to me and I see it a lot in your work and I think it's, um, you know, it's inherent in what you're able to do with, you know, by doing 136 reps with a Turkish get-up um, in, in, in 60 minutes. Right? I think you've got to have that. I think first and foremost, you need to have that foundation and that stability through, through the core in the shoulders and in the hips. So that's kind of, yep. that's, I can see it a lot in the work that, that you do. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about is maybe, maybe let's just dive into a recap of, you know, what's going on the latest in the gym at the moment. I know you've had a lot of fighters coming up and, you know, getting really good results. Yep. Um, yeah. So um, who's been fighting? So Liam Conroy, um, he fought for the British title uh, in March. Um, that was against Josh Boatsy. Unfortunately, didn't get the result we wanted. But um, Liam, I think it's lit a fire on it. I mean, he was dedicated in the first place, but it's lit a, a fuse underneath him. And he, since then, he he fought again a couple of weeks ago, um, a six rounder. Uh, stopped the guy in two rounds. Looked powerful. Looked fast. Sharp. Um, and now he's fighting for the WBO European title um, on the 21st of June, which in, uh, is in Belfast. So we're going over over there to support him in that. Um, so he's been he's been training um, with us twice a week. Um, we've got Goldie as well, Michael McGoldrick. He's booked to fight in July, July the 5th. Uh, he's going for his his fourth pro fight. Uh, so hopefully get that four and zero. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, train train hard, um, and just being dedicated with those guys. It's just it's constant, and you can see it. They just want it all the time. So it's it's great to see. Um, we had, um, and so I've got some new boxers coming. Um, four new boxers, three pros, and one uh, amateur lad, a young amateur lad. Um, Three of them are fighting in July as well on the same card as uh, I think it's on the same card of Goldie, so that'll be good in our lead up. Um, so last night I had him in for some testing, um, just a few assessments, more mobility, uh, single leg strength, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to you know they'll be in twice a week with me. Um, yeah. We talk, I, know, I know we talked quite a bit about the testing that you do with the, bo- with the boxers or the fighters on the last podcast, and I'll link to the, the, the latest podcast. Any, anything new that you've brought in recently with, with the fighters? Um, last night, a little bit more single leg strength mm-hmm. um, with a tempo attached to it. So uh, rear foot elevated split squat, yeah. um, three second lower, 
knee to the ground, one second pause, up we go. So the, so, the, so the rear leg would be on a box or a bench? Uh, on a box. I've got it on a TRX. Um, okay. that'll, that'll, you, you better see if they're like pushing into the TRX with the rear leg. The rear leg's just there for support. Mm. The front leg is what's doing the work or should be doing the work. So you, yeah. you see them have to wobble on that. So um, that just gets a quick snapshot of their, uh, you know, their eccentric loading. Um on the single leg, on the single leg, um, but not too much different in terms of uh, in terms of testing. More mobility, obviously. You know, shoulder, uh, boxers are pretty notorious with uh, roll forward shoulders, and you know, I was tight gonna, I, Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I was watching it on a baseball um, game yesterday where. Bryce Harper is one of the best baseball players in the US. Um, probably wouldn't mean much to people in the UK, but he's there, you know, the guy's, the guy's pitching. And I can see that his forward shoulder is rounded. And you can see it with boxers, right? You, mm. you, you, you don't want to get hit, right? So you're bringing your shoulder up to protect your chin slightly, and it's not an yeah. ideal shoulder position. What are, the, what are the kind of things that you, you do in terms of you know, mobility or um, you know, strength, strength and stability for, for those yeah. guys? We just try and take them out of of that uh, you know that internal rotation with the shoulders and yeah. um, just try and take them out of it. Uh, like, like I said to the guys last night, I'm not trying to make them. The nature of the sport it's an it's an asymmetrical sport. They're gonna be they're gonna depending on their technique. They're gonna have uh, one shoulder slightly higher than the other. They're gonna have one tighter than the other. It's you know they're throwing punches, power punches. It's just the nature of the sport. Yeah. But if we can just, uh, you know, for recovery, um, mobilize them a little further, strengthen those end ranges with stability work, yeah. and then you know, chances are we can, you know, either free them up from pain um, and or make them have a harder punch. Mm. They've got you know, a more range of motion, um, building strength in the end ranges. And that's, that's the goal, right? Punch as hard as you can. To knock yeah. someone out, yeah. To knock, yeah, to knock someone's head off. So if we can get more leverage from freeing up, uh, you know, uh, scapular mobility like we was going, to, going on about earlier, Yeah. if we can get mobility within the scapula, get some more range, strengthen that range, you know, potentially we've got a, a stronger, more efficient fighter. I know, <laughs> I know that scapular mobility and, 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 and positioning is a problem for... It's a problem for me. It's a problem for pretty much anyone, right? Um, for a number of reasons. Are there a top kind of one or two exercises you could recommend that people would 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 go to? As any exercises that jump to mind that people could research and on their own. Um, if you, I think uh, Phil McDougall again. He's got some great stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Um, about scapular mobility and control, he does he does a lot of stuff. It's hard to explain. Um, lots of unloaded scapular rolls. Okay. So, so I would take my arms out to the front. I would roll my shoulders to the rear, so my arms are extended to the front. Roll my shoulders to the rear. Roll to the front. I'd go above my head, do the same thing. Out to the side, same yeah. thing. And then we can start to load those patterns with a resistance band. Yeah. And or 
uh, hanging, hanging from a, uh, a bar, yeah. or inverted row type. So you've got your, your, your barbell, probably at like waist height or just above, and then hang off that with your legs extended, uh, feet on the floor, and then start to, to roll up and around that. Yeah, so what Marty what Marty's doing is he's literally, you know, taking his shoulders and he's kind of first of all rolling it slightly up towards the ears, then rolling it backwards, then down and then forward again. So if you were to look at Marty's side on, it's like his shoulder is doing a kind of a three sixty circle. Yeah. But, but if people look for Phil McDougal, scapula stability on YouTube, they're gonna get a bunch of a bunch of exercises. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's got so much stuff on there. So yeah. much great content. Um learned a lot from him. So and he's a former Marine too, so... Is he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I tell you what, if you can get him on your show... Do you know him? Get him you know. Yeah, I do know him, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, you've called me out, then I'm going to have to do it now. Let me, <laughs> let, let me, let me make a note of that. He lives, he lives in San Diego. Does he really? I yes, do not... I've, I've, I've come up this... There's a lot of people in San Diego. People have, have referenced um, Move Move You official is a big is a big yeah. Instagram channel. They're down in San Diego. Um, yeah. There's oh Didi Didi is back. The the, the hi hi honey. We're gonna say quickly hello say hello to Matty again. But you gotta go. You gotta go to daycare. Oh um, no. What 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 is Mama's Mama's not doing her job and keeping you out? Hi Matty, <laughs> Mama. <laughs> There you go. So Phil <laughs> Phil McDougal, yeah. and I'm also I because when when I move later this year, um, it's going to be a shame to you know shame to you know leave a lot of people a lot of people behind you, but not far away. I'm going to be down in San Diego County, so I'm hoping I can do a lot of this stuff and do yeah. this, this. But what was I going to say? Yeah, I was going to ask you. So what do you think of the Turkish getup, and in particular the Turkish getup? Once you you I don't know what you would call this position, but you've got one knee on the floor, one foot on the floor, one hand on the floor, and you're braced with the kettlebell. So you're yeah. like, I don't know what that's like what, what Yeah, kind of like a windmill, but with the knee on the floor. Yeah, what do you think of using that and pausing in that position, maybe with a lighter weight for thoracic mobility? Uh, for thoracic mobility? And, and stability, um, I suppose, as well. <clears throat> Yeah, definitely for, for stability. Now, if you if you were to lift that uh, hand, which is on the ground, mm-hmm. if you were to lift that slightly off the floor without raising your torso, so you're not pushing away from the ground, yeah. your obliques are going to be firing like nothing else. Yeah. You literally just remove the hands, make it hover an inch from the floor, but don't allow your torso to lift up. Your obliques will be on fire. So I love that, mm. doing that exercise um you know and you're loading the spine as well in a, in a different plane of motion so yeah really good uh, i mean it's active mobility isn't it it's like the the turkish get keep it keeps you true because with load you can't you can't uh get away from the fact that if you can't keep your shoulder or your arm overhead then you're going to put a tremendous amount of pressure onto your shoulder if they're if the load is coming too far away from, from neutral, which is straight up, straight down. Yep. So if you, if you start to roll up, that's where I'll see people go wrong with it is one, they'll take their eyes away from the kettlebell. Mm-hmm. And then 
they've not got complete control of it because if, if that if that kettlebell moves and I can't see where it's moving, it might be too late before it's gone too far and my shoulders not necessarily popped. I've never seen anything bad like that, but uh, you know, could cause damage to the to the shoulder area if if that kettlebell isn't on a neutral position straight up straight down through the wrist as well a lot of people will keep the wrist uh kind of hyperextended underneath yeah. the load and completely neutral yeah and that's going to limit the amount of load you can take on there too um uh, but yeah you... like it's, it's active mobility isn't it like moving through those end ranges you, you become more mobile by by doing those types of exercises mm. and you'll see like in that half kneeling position, the one you talked about, some people may feel that into the hamstrings or into the groin as well, because it's so tight in that mm. position, but it's strengthening and mobilizing through those positions as you, as you take it through. Like it's an, it's an awesome exercise. It really is a brilliant exercise to do. I love. I, I bang on about the Turkish getup all the time, right? And not to take up the entire show on it, even though I would, I, I could. I've got, <laughs> I've got two, two other questions for you, and then we can, if we come back to it, we come back to it. But we'll move on to something else. Have you ever done Turkish getups in a wide open space outside? Have you ever? Have you, have you have you ever tried that? Yeah. Well, in my garden, in my back garden. <clears throat> well, I've so I, I'd be interested to see what. You, so it's, it, it, it sounds like a weird question, right? Um, like a but, random field or something. Well, yeah, because I used to, I, the first time I tried this, I was back in London and I I took a Turkish get, to, I was doing a photo shoot, I think it was, um, for my website. And we went to a big park in London and I took the kettlebells and I was doing a Turkish get up. And as I started doing the Turkish get up, when I was looking up into the sky, I was looking at the kettlebell, but the, all everything else I have is blue sky. So when yeah. you do it inside, you've got you've got the reference of the the ceiling, the walls that give you spatial awareness. Yeah. And I yeah. sudden, and I suddenly found I was like, whoa, this is way harder for me to stabilize because I haven't got the reference points with which to, yeah. my body to tell me where I was in space. It was really yeah. interesting. I'm not yeah. sure if you found that as well. Um, I can't say it jumped to to mind, but because I've done that many yeah i think muscle memory just keeps it wherever i, mean, I could do it blindfolded like you know just muscle memory is just fluid with that that movement do you do it blindfolded i don't but i could <laughs> but, but not not with two not with two kettlebells resting on each other though i don't know i'll give it a go <laughs> <laughs> i might try it blindfolded when i try when i train when i do it next tomorrow You'd get instant feedback if you failed, wouldn't you? Oh my god! <laughs> Health warning: Please do not do that. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> do not, do not, do to. Oh, have I lost you? The mic connections. Let me. I'm just going to flip my connection real quick. Have I lost Matty? I've got a frozen picture of Matty just smiling nicely in the camera, but I've, I, I, I've, lost, I've lost him. And let me just send him a message very, very quickly. So yeah, maybe at the time my Turkish get-ups were, were crap, and that's what's going on, but I found it very interesting to do a Turkish get-up. Um, 
outside when I didn't have the reference points for my spatial awareness. Yeah, he's gone. So Martin, Matty will be back on very, very quickly. Um, I'll move on to other... Oh, he's, come, he's coming back. There you go. I'm back. My, my internet's dropped out, so I'm on my... Uh, on my Not a problem. Uh, I, waff, I waffled on. I waffled on and kind of filled it with um, with some kind of health warnings. <laughs> the, other, um, the other thing that I've learned recently when we're talking about thoracic mobility is when we look at ep- exercises, I'm going to use the bench press. And I've, I'm not saying that the bench press is a bad exercise. Uh, if you do a bench press, fine. But I think you've got to know what the trade-offs are, trade-offs are for all exercises. There's trade-offs for bodyweight exercises and other variations. But what, you, what, what, we, what we do when we bench press, a number of things we do, but one of them is we have to fix our thoracic spine and create, make that the point of stability when we, when, we move, when we move the weight. And over time, if we're always making that a very fixed, you know, static joint or point in the body, that kind of we build up a lot of, we overdevelop the muscles and create a lot of tension and limit the thoracic mobility over time. Whereas when you look at something like boxing, something like, you know, jujitsu, that's not how we generally move. We usually fit, you know, we're trying to generate force with one hand and kind of rotate in, not just around the thoracic spine, but, you know, through the thoracic spine, through the hips, etc. And over time, that's one of the things that can cause a lot of problems that I didn't realize that if you just constantly, I suppose like a two-legged squat as well, if you're constantly holding the hips or the, or the, or the spine in that static position, that there's a trade-off that if you don't counter it with other exercises, then free up the hips, free up the thoracic, sp- thoracic spine and shoulders. That's when you can run into a lot of problems. And that's something that was quite new to me. I don't know. Yeah. I, thought, I, I just wanted to I get that in there. <laughs> no, no, no question, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess it depends on the goal. Like, yeah. what, what, what are you training for? Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a place for the bench press. Is it... You know, is, are there better exercises? Yep, but it depends what you what you're training for. I think you started doing a lot of stuff bench pressing from the floor. I've seen recently, or oh, it's one of the exercises. One of the exercises I've seen you I've seen you post on there. Um, why would you say that's better than doing it on? What what, what are the benefits of doing that versus doing it on a bench? So this is something we uh, we kind of picked up from uh, Phil Derue. Yeah. Um, He'd been doing. He obviously he works with some of the the best fighters on the planet and um, Brazilian, Brazilian top team, right? He's the uh, American top team, yeah. American top team, sorry, yeah. Um, and it's well, it's it's more of a, I'd say, I don't like using the term, but functional position in terms of like if you're on your back mm-hmm. uh, as a fighter or you know. Um, MMA, BJJ, whatever it might be, wrestler, if you're on your back, you have to push someone off your body. You're not going to be in a position where you would be on a bench. You're going to be on, on the floor. Yeah. So um, it's pushing against the ground as well as, as much as anything. Yeah. Um, it's limiting the range of motion as well. Obviously, your elbows can't go any further than floor level. Um, which is maybe better for your shoulders. Which is, yeah, but better for the shoulder. And 
if you think about it, that's the only way you can push someone off. If you're going for like a hip escape, it's going to come from that position. Yeah. If you're push and, and, or create space or whatever it might be. Obviously, I'm not a, a BJJ practitioner, but I've got an idea of it. Yeah. Trying to create as much space as possible, as quickly as possible from those positions. Um, so he'll do like maximal strength work in the floor press, which is, you know, very similar to the bench press, but just lying on your back on the ground instead of on a bench. And I, um, I've seen I've seen two I've, I've seen two variations that he does. One it will be like, the one you were showing was flat on your back, but the other one then is where you're in kind of you're in a bridged position. Glute bridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah again, activating the glutes. Uh, you're in hip extension whilst the extremities are moving. So you, you're building that, that a, uh, intra-abdominal pressure. You're creating tension, tightness throughout the glutes, activating that as where your extremities are moving. So building that maximal strength in hmm. that position. I'm gonna, I, I said that I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to bring it back to the Turkish get-up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons and that's one of the reasons why i love the turkish getup because i think there's there's other benefits from doing the bench press in that position but i i feel like that the turkish getup is a lot closer to how you actually escape on the floor because it's a push right. rotation but i wonder if you could and maybe it's a more advanced exercise and maybe he does this or maybe you do this but if you were to take the bridge exercise maybe doing it with one dumbbell on one side yep then it yeah. creates that because typically when you're pushing, you're trying to push from one side and bring the other shoulder down. So I wonder if that is, is something, uh, you know, maybe that's something that you do already. Yeah, def definitely we do. Yeah. And going back to that first podcast, when I spoke about offsetted loads. Yeah. Heavy, do it, I do that. I think the reason is <clears throat> you can, in a Turkish get up, like I said, I can only probably do it with a 48 kilo kettlebell once. Yes. Yeah, and that's it. where you can create maximal strength through mm -hmm. you know, three, five reps of potentially a much heavier load. Yeah, uh, so you're going to increase your maximal strength, absolute so, strength. So they complement each other. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, both. Yeah, both. Again, get them in um, in the right program with the right person, um, and it will you know, definitely create uh, a training benefit from it. Yeah. So you, you had Phil over what, a couple of weeks ago, two, two, three weeks yeah. ago to do a seminar. Yeah. Three, four weeks. And there. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, <clears throat> came across um, and yeah, picked him up from the airport and obviously like just picking his brain straight away. Like so he, he flew in just, just for your seminar. Yes. Yeah. It was oh, the wow, first, time, awesome. first time he came across to the UK. Oh wow! Um, so picked him up from the airport on the Friday morning, and yeah, just taking everything in. Um, I had some some questions prepped, and then uh, obviously got him in, and just flowing conversation was flowing, and just learning from him. I mean, he's an absolute workhorse, um, and he looks like a Viking as well, right? Big beard, big big. Old. Yeah, he's shorter than you think. He's okay. shorter. Than, yeah. <laughs> But he's wide, he's just as wide. Like, he's just yeah. a broad, strong dude. Um, and, you know, he, I, think he's, uh, I think he's purple belt, BJJ. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's going for his brown belt this year, you're saying. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, he's 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 done it all. MMA, professional MMA, uh, BJJ. So he's a complete understanding of combat. Yeah, uh, combat sports, and and then you know his 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 mind. He just learns. He just learns all the time, mm-hmm. um, and he's, he's dedicated to it, and it shows. He knows his stuff. He does yeah. know his stuff. So, yeah, it's great. It was a privilege to have him across. Um, not only that, it brought some excellent coaches from from the UK um, to the gym, and I always find that like you can learn from the the guy or girl that's teaching you, but it's ultimately the questions that get asked at the seminars where you really, really learn. Um, and that's where I really switch on is when people ask questions and I, I listen to the questions and, you know, it just shows the, the quality of coaching experience that we had over and uh, the, the questions getting asked to fill. Yeah, just brilliant. It's great to have those people in, in the room. Um, See, I, I'm looking at the folders. You had about, there's about 30 odd people there. So it's a big, a big seminar. Yeah, 20, yeah 26, 27 people. Yeah. So, it was good. Uh, worked well. We, we spoke about prog- programming, periodization for, for combat sports. How does um, it, what was, you know, maybe you don't want to give away your secrets, but if you could give some highlights, what were the kind of the, the general principles running through the period, periodization? Because I think that particularly for me, I'm sure with MMA fighters, it's very, very different. But I, I yeah. see a lot of people, they don't, they don't plan their training enough when it comes to jujitsu. No. Um, Basically, he it's, it's a, the main the main take home I had, and I made a point of this in a, one of my Instagram posts. Is it's something I've always said. It's fighters need to train year round, not just training camp, not just okay. fight camp. Okay. Um, and then in the off season, it's GPP, so building that uh, general physical preparedness, um, and then. He would do, depending on the, the training age of the person he's training, um, you know, he would get them, uh, do quite a bit of triphasic training in the GPP phase. So uh, eccentric loading, isometric loading, and concentric loading. Um, triphas- triphasic training, okay. Yeah. If you really want to get into triphasic, look up Cal Dietz, C-A-L, D I E T Z Cal Dietz. <clears throat> um, so I'd, I'd, I'd already come across triphasic training before, uh, and it basically runs on like a six-week format. So you would do your eccentric loading, um, five to six seconds on each lift, and then you that that'd be done for about two weeks. Um, whatever the lifts might be, you know, you take your pick, whatever sport you're doing. You'd then do isometric loading. So you'd, you'd do your holds again, uh, five to six seconds on each lift. Uh, and then the second or final two-week phase would be your concentric loading. So fast tempo, uh, that just increased neuromuscular co- coordination, enhancing force production, uh, you know, and optimizing technical efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three... You know, getting them, getting them in for out of camp work. Um, that's building up their strength. You know, they're priming the muscle fibers, um, and then he does a lot of FRC. 
so functional range conditioning um again it's things i've looked at for the past kind of 18 months two years but i've never been taught on it yeah um and uh, you know i enjoyed taking the joints through so extreme end range um and having control in those end ranges so that's what functional range conditioning is is maintaining yeah. strength and stability in the end in your end ranges of motion yeah yeah complete end ranges it's, it's tough it's hard what, what 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 ranges of motion and with what limbs any joint okay any joints you could do uh, what they call cars so controlled articulated rotations um what did we do we did ankle knee hip shoulder um they're very slow controlled methodical but you're trying to as you're doing them you're creating that intra-abdominal pressure so your cns is having to fire and uh you know connect as well so you, you mm. create tension and whilst you're taking the joints through their full end range um that was was really good very good for the hips extremely good for the hips okay um, <clears throat> Yeah, definitely. If you can get into into that, um, so is uh, 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 so functional range conditioning FRC cars are part of functional range conditioning. Yes, and so are uh, pails and rails, uh, progressive angular isometric. Uh, oh my god, I've forgotten the last one. I thought you failed. <laughs> No, I've completely failed. It's gone. It's gone in my head. Uh, I think it's loading. No, someone's screaming at me on this. Listen to <clears throat> Pails and rails. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go do another hour of Turkish get-ups just to... Punish yourself. I, I'm, I'm going <clears> to... <throat> FRC, pails and rails. Let's see if it comes up. Because <clears throat> like, I've got... Uh, pails, pails and rails. FRC principle, pails and rails, kin stretch. Okay, I've seen some. Okay, it's starting to some of the kin kin stretch stuff. Do you know what? I can't find it quick enough, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna derail it too much. If we, if you can pardon that pun. Um, okay, well, that, that, was, that was really good. That stuff was really good. We learned. So is that? Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah. Okay. Some of that. It's kind of as I look at that website, it's making a bit more sense. Yeah. But what was um were they the main takeaways in terms of the the, the periodization and the kind of the, the kind of exercises? Anything else jumps to mind? Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot because you probably can't covered so much stuff. There was so much stuff. Uh, we went into uh, his dynamic warm up routine, um, which is great. I mean, it's yeah, almost a session. I've seen some videos of he's put up put up that online. It looks good. Yeah, it's almost a session in itself. Um, but there, there was yeah, just so much to take home. Um, learn learn a lot. It was a privilege to have him across. Yeah, I think he's coming across again. And I know he was speaking to someone whilst he was here from London. Um, maybe figuring out a, a time in August, but I've not seen anything or heard heard back from him on that. I think he's coming across to Liverpool in September with the Fight Science Institute. Mm-hmm. That he's part of. Um, so if that's the case, I'll definitely be coming to that one. Go into that one. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah so much to to take from it but yeah great coach as well and a really nice guy I think that you know I know I I focus purely on the jujitsu side of things but I think that's where it's really at when you start when you're working with jujitsu is fighting right but you're you know your health is far less on the line than if you're doing MMA or boxing. And I think yeah. that's, that's, that's where it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a different sport or a slightly different kind of training, but that's where it's really kind of at. Cause there's a lot, there's, there's far more at stake. Yeah, definitely. Um, but going into that, it's something I, I forgot to mention last time, kind of a, a bit of a success story. So, uh, from one of the, well, from the, from Lobo, remember we spoke about Lobo, uh, the Lakes Gym here, uh, Mike Ray, uh, brown belt now. He's, yeah, he's, he's brown belt now. Okay. Um, so Becky Haynes, she got uh, Americanered in competition and mm. it snapped a humorous, like full Shit. on, full on snap in competition. Oh. Um, so she was in in a in a in a cast and in a sling for like four months wow um and she she came to me to start training again uh when was it it was back end of last year and literally she's just out of the sling so like her arm had completely atrophied yeah um compared to and she'd not done anything and like we make a joke of it now but i said to her at the time i said have you have you lifted anything with that arm and she said no. And I said, like, any absolutely anything. If you if you picked anything up, <clears throat> she said no. And I was like, right. Well, just next to me was uh, my little remote control for the uh, for the, our timer, our, our workout clock. Yeah. And I gave her that, and she like thought I was just taking a piss, but I gave her that to lift and to hold and like to move it. And I was like, we're now telling your brain that you're going to be using this arm again. So we had to like break her into it and use a use something such so small with a remote control, with a little remote control. You know, weighs nothing, but it was just to teach, almost like tell her brain again that we were about to 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 start using it. And I said, you know, within a few months, you're going to be lifting those kettlebells over there, and you're going to be you're going to be pulling your weight up. Lo and yeah. behold, it was. And then on the weekend of the uh, Daru seminar, um. She didn't tell anybody. I didn't know about this, but I got a, uh, a notification on my Instagram, and uh, she'd gone and entered a comp, and she won. She won wow. gold. Wow! <laughs> so, like psychologically, that was the biggest factor, and she she overcame it, and uh, yeah, smashed it. And credit to her for doing that. Um, but yeah, like getting back on the mats, I said just getting back on and drilling will be a success but she's got back on and she's got back on the competition mat and she's won so it's you know shout out to Becky Haynes for that brilliant is that a pretty long road to get back to or is she even back to kind of the similar level of strength that she had in the past um I guess it's still always going to be there yeah psychologically um, and we're still testing the waters, but she's doing pull-ups. She can pull her own body weight up now. Yeah. Um, but she, she will. The more that she does the S and C work with us, the you know the more the stronger she'll be. Stronger than what she was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just always in the back of the head, isn't it? If 
if that happens. I, yeah, I'm interested to, 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 to uh, maybe you won't be able to explain it. I don't know, ask, asking you to, but it's really interesting that the, the humorous snapped as opposed to something got went in the elbow or the shoulder. That must have been horrific. No idea. Like, uh, I saw the x-ray of it, and I think, I think it was just <laughs> above the elbow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, not nice. Oh, that's horrendous. So when are you going to start jujitsu? <laughs> I, had, uh, I had a few of them come up. They can, uh, obviously, Becky does it and Jordan, um, uh, Adam as well. Becky's husband, Adam Haynes, he came, he came up with Niall and then they just took me through some, through some drills, some guard passing and some you know, triangles and then we just did a bit of a roll at the end and I tried to survive as best I could. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's still time for me. It's still time. I can't get to the gym, get to the... Uh, yeah. But hopefully soon. Um, and when, the ho- not, when, just... when the house is done. Yeah, so <laughs> 20, 30, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you now? Uh, I'll be 34 in July. You'd be surprised how many people start in their late 30s and early 40s. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've been exposed to it before and yeah. you know, I, I do love it. Um, it's just something, one day I'll, I'll commit to it and, and see how far I can get in it. I'd lo- I'd lo- I'm, 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 I'm excited to see that time. I'm excited to see anyone train jiu-jitsu, but with your, your mind and how you think about the human body and movement and all of the stuff that we're talking about, it would be really interesting after you've dived deeply into it for a period to see, you know, how you, how you view it and the kind of things that, yeah, um, the, 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 how you, how you would then obsess about the stuff that I obsess about all the time. It'd be really cool. To yeah. See. Yeah. No, I think, I think I do. Okay. Cause I like to like, I understand the need to drill the basics and not just, you know, try and go for the fancy stuff straight away. Like you've got to master the basics. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty like close-minded on that. Like, I will just drill it and drill it and drill it until my body starts to adapt and and understand what's going on. So I don't have to think about it because yeah. when when I was rolling with him, like all I knew how to do was defend. Yeah, not even defend. Like just try and survive. Like it wasn't. I didn't know exactly how to defend. It was just try and not get choked or not get my arm taken or yeah that's why to think about and it was you know mentally taxing as well as physically i mean i was knackered i think we rolled uh well i did, I did 20 minutes all up what was it yeah five minute rounds pretty much non-stop and you know after no, never you know not doing that for a long long time i was knackered by the end of it 20 but minutes yeah. but un- understanding how to stay relaxed and, and and be as efficient as possible with my movement and not panic. Yeah, it's it's hard, but I think I think I'd do all right. If I had a good run at it, I think I'd be all right. I think you would. I think you would too. <laughs> it's the I my Simon, um a good friend of mine, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he's does a number of things, but is a yoga teacher. And he's one of the most chilled people that I know, right? He meditates all the time. He's got great breathing. He's always looks kind of quite relaxed and a very similar demeanor to you, actually, with the way he carries himself. Um, 
you know, just very kind of present and, you know, grounded and all those kind of things. But the number of times I've got to tell him when we train jujitsu, dude, relax, breathe. Because <laughs> yeah. it all, if when someone's trying to choke you, shit, it all goes out the window very, very quickly. Yeah. Or it can. Yeah. It, yeah. Can, it can. So, um, Oh, God, there's a few, few, few rabbit holes I want to go down. I want to, I want to talk about the remote program that you do. I want to talk about grip strength, but I want to. We've kind of started to go down the mental side of jujitsu in terms of you know staying relaxed, but I want to talk about. I think it's the fit fit light that you use yeah. your your fighters, and I suppose that's not just the mental practice, but I I wonder if you use. Maybe we can talk about what the fit light is. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but I wonder if it, if that's something that you know you put them into a fatigued state, and then you use that kind of thing. So that's good in itself is very very good mental training for the fighters. Yeah, yeah, like um, dead bog standard drill is like three minutes mainly with boxers. Uh, three minutes of just like whack a mole, like just the light goes on. You knock it off, the light goes on, knock it off, but at speed. And for three minutes, it's a long time to stay mentally focused after a session. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can have these, these set up. We've got little Velcro pads on the, on the pull-up rig. Uh, we can have them at different heights and, you know, or we could just have them out in front of you or, or whatever. Or I could hold them and, like, move them in, like, a almost like a box is almost like a spa. You have to react to the light. And you could put, you could put them anywhere, right? The list is endless, mate. Like, like, um, just, it's just how creative you can get with it. Uh, and have the desired training effect. It's not just, a, you know, it's not just about trying to turn a light off. It's, it's what you're trying to achieve. Are they, expen- um, are they expensive? Yes. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, good few grand. Really? Maybe yeah. I'll buy, maybe I'll buy some cheap knockoffs from China on eBay or something. <laughs> to start to start off with, like, like anything, it's it's an investment and. Uh, oh yeah, completely. It's an investment and um, it just means I can I can do a bit more quality quality training. I, I first saw him my one of my good friends Tim Hotchin. Uh, he he started using him years ago. Yeah, years ago. And, um, then I followed suit once uh, once I've got my own setup. So um, he does a lot with uh, with football players, and um, he's actually just getting into American football. So he'll be using using them with them. But yeah, great tool um, to use, especially for for that reaction um, mm. and just staying switched on. Yeah, just staying switched on. You can you can. Uh, Manipulate the time, the time it takes for the next light to go on or off. Uh, the colours, you can do different exercises. So if, a, let's say, a green light shows up, then it'll be just throw a three-punch combo. If a red yep. light, you know, and then, then you mix it up and change it again. So they've already they've just gotten used to a certain set of colours and now they have to change it again. So it forces them to think differently again mm. and react differently to what's in front of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like the fit lights. They're good. Yeah, no, I've seen some of the, the video. The videos look very cool. Um, uh, there's got to be application. If you well, ob- the ob- I think for fighting sports, it's obvious. Then American football, I guess, but you can you probably do it for some kind of solo movement drills for jujitsu as well. Um, 
I want to talk about grip strength because you were the first person to put me onto this. Um, this specific element of grip strength, and I've kind of done 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 a few things with it recently. But you were talking about when you train people to hang from a pull-up bar, or when you train people to do pull-ups. And I was guilty of this. You know, we typically will use the index and the middle finger and the thumb for most of the grip work. But you you tell people to then clamp down with the pinky finger and the ring finger as well. And then what? Maybe you exp- maybe maybe you explain the reasoning why because I've seen a lot of benefits and have and have and you've used it with people recently and they've they've given me good comments about how it's worked. Yeah, yeah. So I heard it, first heard this from uh, Perry Nicholson, Dr. Perry Nicholson of uh, Stop Chasing Pain, um, and he he described it. So basically, the 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 link between the the fascial line running from the pinky finger into the upper back and lats. Yeah. Uh, so it's connected from those little finger. Um, so if a good little test you can do and people feel, feel it for themselves is hang off the bar and just start to pull from their index finger and thumb. And nine times out of 10, they, you know, if they've got a good awareness of what's happening within the body, they're going to feel it pulling within the bicep. Now, obviously, the strict pull-up with... Um, and that would be the front that, that would be the front arm line as with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah into the bicep and the top of the chest. Now, obviously, the, the strict pull-up, what are the main movers that we want moving within the strict pull-up? It's the back and the lats, right? Upper back yeah. and lats. Yeah, yeah. So, activating that fascial line. So, once you've done your, your squeeze with your, your index and thumb then switch it and then just try and pull, really squeeze the bar, pull down with the little finger first into your ring finger. Not necessarily, you don't want to take your, your other fingers off the bar or your yep. thumb off the bar. Obviously that could create some pain, um, you know, uh, really injure your little finger if you're going to do that, but pull down from that little finger and almost focus on snapping the bar. So if you were to, to, the bar was to snap it would go behind your head the two people the two uh, points would, would snap behind and you pull back and down and you should feel that really engaging to your upper back and lats so yeah. when a big pull up it's to pull from from that position there and you know it works definitely works I yeah I started doing that and I think you'd I think you messaged me or we were talked about it and then I instantly went down and kind of hang up, hang off the pull-up bar, and I was like, "Oh wow!" It could, it went from being able to, you know, I could I can comfortably hang on a pull-up bar for maybe a minute, a minute, a minute and a half, and I only did a, say a thirty-second hold with kind of clamping down on the pinky finger, no pull-ups, just holding on it, and you know, not just in the lats, but through the outer part of the forearm as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot, yeah. and I was like, "Oh wow, that's." So obviously it has you know great application for the pulling strength, but also for the grip strength too. Um, yeah. And I've been I I I do something what I call pistol holds. So not with a pull up exercise, not with actually doing pull ups, but hanging off. And I take my and you've got to build up to this right, and you can do it maybe with your feet on feet on the floor. But it's like my 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 index finger is pointing straight up, and my thumb is pointing out, like I'm making a pistol with my hand. So I call yeah. it like a pistol hold. And then so you're clamping down with the, out, with the outer fingers. And yeah. the, other, the other thing that I saw 
have you seen have you seen the documentary called it's not free solo with alex honnold it's another climbing documentary about a guy called tommy uh yes with tommy caldwell yeah 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 you see you've seen it and you obviously he lost his index finger on his left hand yeah 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 unreal and and then he's and now he's still one of the best climbers in the world after losing his index finger, and you kind of go, well, shit, am I lo- am I leaving so much on the table in terms of development of grip strength if I rely on the kind of the three main digits being the thumb, the index, and the ring finger, um, yeah. not the ring finger, the middle finger. So I've inco- I, I incorporate a lot of I mix it up with various things, but actually doing stuff. I call it the Caldwell hold, where I'll hang on grips. But actually, I use my thumb, but I take the index finger off as well. I, I think there's a lot to learn from mountain climbers, for, especially for your sport. Yeah. Um, in terms of bodyweight training and grip, grip training, like unreal grip strength. Yeah. It's just, um, well, literally life or death in uh, Alex Honnold's world. Fuck that documentary. <laughs> Do you know what it's on? It's on tonight on Channel Four, and I've not seen it yet. But I know what he's done. I know what he did. Um, so you've reminded me to record it because it is on tonight on Channel Four. You have to watch it, and if people miss it, you it's <laughs> worth the five dollars or five pounds you'll pay on Amazon to to watch it. It's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. It, so- in, interesting thing uh, about him, I saw. A video clip and I think he's at the Oscars or he's at some award ceremony and someone brings him a grip dynameter is that what you'd call it where it tests your grip strength and yeah. he squeezes it and I think it's in pounds or kilos one of the two and it measured at 80 so either 80 pounds or 80 kilos and when you think of, of stuff like heavy grippers or iron mine captains of crush that are measured at about 300 pounds. I'm doing very, very, you know, I'm not saying these are a good point of comparison, but his probably absolute contractile strength may not be anywhere near as strong as a grip strength athlete, but the strength through the fascia, through the ligaments and through the tendons in the hand, that's actually a lot more energy efficient than kind of contractile strength is where, I think the, the where he gets so much of the benefit, and I think that translates excellently to jujitsu, because a lot of the time it's not about squeezing as hard as you can and holding on. It's about creating hooks and creating yeah. these grips that you can hold with efficiency. And if you've got that, the strength through all of the connective tissue, and I think it's a big part that people miss with grip strength training for jujitsu. I think if you can develop that, I call it tensile strength which is contractile yeah. strength. I'm not sure if it's an actual thing. I think that's where people miss out a lot when it, and what they can get from stuff like, you know, crimp holds from rock climbing, etc. Yeah. It's like, well, distal finger strength, isn't it? Um, we've got a, a good drill that I do is, so I'd, I'd start light as well. If you get like a, a broomstick in the fingers yeah, and you just <laughs> walk in it, so start low and then you just, with those fingers, mm. walk it all the way up. Um, broomstick, you, you, you'll get away with it straight away. Yeah. And then move on to like a, a sledgehammer. Then you're going to feel it. Yeah. Like, so you're squeezing in and then almost like a caterpillar type movement. You're just rolling on, walking the, uh, 
But just the fingertips, pretty much. Just just the fingertips in, in, in contact. And that's moving straight through the, uh, the, the the fingers. And that's really good for distal finger strength. And then, obviously, lowering it back down under control as well. It just rolls straight down the huh. uh, fingers. That's a good one to do. That's very cool. I've not come across that. Dude, you're dropping, like, as always, you're giving me so many, so many ideas. Like, I think you've given me my reading list for the next six months as well, which is awesome. How's the remote training, the remote programming going? Because I'm, per, personally, I'm really interested to, to, to hear about, I want you to talk about, you know, how it, how it works for the benefit of the listeners um, so they can get something from it. But I'm really interested to hear how you, I'm sure we've got other coaches listening as well, right? How we, how that's worked out as a form of programming from you as opposed to being in, 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 in person. So it's, it's something relatively new, right? The remote programming for you. Um, yeah, well, I, I started it about probably about two and a half years ago. Oh, really? it was okay. only, yeah. It was only for people. Um, oh, I've got a new, new, new client into the, uh, new person into the gym. Do you want to go say hello? Will you give me two minutes? Is that all right? Absolutely. I'll 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 I'll, I'll waffle again. It's fine. <laughs> Seriously though, like um, I, I've I've learned a lot from Marty and some of the books that he recommended last time in terms of the myofascial trains. One of the things I've, I, I I dove into very very deeply. Um, so you know if he if he says. You know, look at someone like Phil McDougall, Carl Dietz is another name that he mentioned. They'll try to put them all in there. Todd Hargrove, then he's mentioned functional range conditioning. I think it's this guy. This guy really knows his stuff. Um, so I respect his opinion, you know, a, a, a lot. Um, so I think it's you're not going to go far wrong if you're interested in diving into, the, into this stuff a bit more, a bit more deeply. Or maybe you could wait six six months, and I will probably have read a lot of the books and then I'll, I'll share it with you as well. Whatever, whatever works from you. Um, but I am genuinely, genuinely interested to hope, hope Marty gets into jujitsu and see how he geeks out on, geeks out on everything. But anyway, what a great guy too. 136 Turkish get-ups in 60 minutes with what's roughly 50% of his one rep marks which I think is an interesting point to put in there. Um, but yeah, okay, Matt, Matty's, Matty's back. I'm getting better at filling this space, you know. <laughs> Sorry about that. Someone who's just never been in the gym before I just walked in, so. No, absolutely, mate. I get it. I, I've been interrupted by um, two <laughs> snot, snotty little kids twice, so it's all good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I probably started about two, two and a half years ago, um, the remote programming, but it was for people who were in the gym, people who were close, you know, okay. I, I had access to them. Um, and I used a, uh, a system, an online system called, it was at the time called FitBot. Yep. It's now been changed to True Coach, True Coach. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a brilliant system. It comes preloaded <clears throat> with roughly... I think at the time there's about 400 videos on there of uh, of different exercises, but you can input your own. Um, and I've I've done rough I've done about three almost 300 videos now. Wow. Um, 
and put my own exercises in. You can then put a written description of the exercise. Um, exactly, you know, they can see exactly what they need to do. Uh, there'll be a description of what they need to do as well. So it's very, very clear and, and concise. And and, um, and then we just program, you know, whatever. Um, I've got some uh, BJJ athletes who I program for, some lads who play football. Yeah. Um, people coming back from uh, from uh, from back issues, um, some knee issue clients as well. Um, so basically what I've started doing now is I've, I've put a little bit more time into my remote, remote, remote programming and I've, um, along with some of the stuff I've learned from, from Phil um, at Dougal and Strength Matters, putting together um, assessments and then yeah. initially getting a, you know, a look at their mobility, stability, balance, coordination, um, strength capabilities um and then their cardiovascular capacity as well and then do you retest periodically with them yep definitely so they will do the um do the assessments they'll tick off that they've done them they'll give me any feedback from them Uh, they can put videos on there as well i I like to get videos so i can see especially if you know if if i was to to program for yourself i'd want to see how you were doing it because oh, yeah. you're on the side of the world and if I give you a kettlebell swing and you can't create you can't even keep a hip hinge yeah. then you know you ain't going to be doing a kettlebell swing and so you learn how to do a hip hinge yeah um, so you know back and forth um, it's, yeah, it's just a great system it really is good and um, yeah having again success with that uh, the, one of the BJJ guys Michael Wheatman he I've uh, been programming for him uh, he's done really well at, at comps. Uh, he's won a couple of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's good. We do a lot. I do a lot of strength work for him. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 a good system. Yeah, it it sounds like yeah. I I you you told me about it, and I wanna. It feels like it's a lot of time investment at the start to build up the portfolio of exercises and most importantly, the, the assessment. That's the one thing that I struggle with when I work with people virtually is that is the assessment piece. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's much, you know, you can being hands on with someone is, is perfect. Right. But you know, t- time is limited. Their time is limited, etc. They haven't got access to people. So it's, I think it's a huge benefit, but it, it sounds like if you, that time investment at the start, but over time, as you build up that library of stuff, it becomes easier and easier. Yeah, and it has taken time. Um, you know, just a little things, a video, what you see on the video, you've got to <clears> film <throat> that, so that you've got to edit it, clip it, then put it onto onto the, the actual program itself. It takes time. If you've done like 15, 20 exercises, it takes, it takes time, but once it's there, it's on there. Yeah. Um, and I'm now starting to realize the, you know, the benefit of it. And, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I can, I'll send you over the assessments if you want. You can see what it's like. Take, I'd, do lo- these. I'd love to, love to see it. <clears throat> yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. And I think people are, well, guys, if you're, when you were away, I was, you know, saying how much I've, you know, I've learned from you and the, our conversations and you know, so people now know, right. If you want to work with Matty, it doesn't matter where you are. 
No, no, that's the beauty of it. Like, you know, I could be working with someone in the gym, they might move across to Australia and I can still have real-time uh, real um, influence on their, on their programming. It's yeah. not just a spreadsheet. It's not just a, you know, end up Googling half of the exercises. What are they? It's, it's all on there. It's all on there. It's clear. Um, and it, it provides, you know, great, great feedback for me as well for people doing it. Um, yeah. in terms of me seeing they're doing it well and, and you know, we can all these assessments that we do, we can then track them and then, uh, like you say, retest and then you can see exactly where you're improving or where you're not. But, you know, yeah. 99.99% is always increasing or improving. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I bet it is. I bet it is. Um, I think this leads in nicely to, to, to one other thing I wanted to talk about was your pillars of athleticism. And I can't remember if we talked about this last time, so I want to do it just in case. Um, so maybe talk about the pillars of athleticism and that's going to give people a sense of how you would then structure structure those programs. And I think we've got some of your philosophy of the, the stuff that you look at, but I, I like to you know, hear how people think about it you know, in a structured, holistic way. And I think it'd be great for other people to hear that too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, uh, and again, like a lot of this came from uh, Phil McDougall. He's the kind of like mind behind this. And I've added, I've added some, obviously, some things in myself. Um, don't, sell, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> no, no. Well, obviously, credit where credit's due. Like, yeah. Phil is, is phenomenal. And uh, the, the things he comes, comes out with, he's, you know, he's, he's a great guy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Learn, you know, level one, layer one is going to be uh, your stability, mobility, balance, coordination. Those type of exercises. Um, so you again, call it you call it layer one rather than level one, and I think just yeah. using the term layer as opposed to level is is quite important in itself. Yeah, yeah. Like where you think of a, a pyramid, right? That's, that's the, basically the the base of it. Yeah. Um, without without those, uh, without a general um, without general awareness of balance, uh, mobility, you know, you shouldn't be underneath a barbell. You shouldn't be doing power exercises. Like you've got to almost earn the right, I believe, to to then do the strength work. You can't just go straight not to to a hundred. Um, See an see an exercise on Instagram, which is you know predominantly power work, and then go and do it. Like yeah. if you've got knee valgus or if you've got uh, feet which just collapse in as soon as you start to jump, like you shouldn't be performing those exercises unless you've earned the right. So assessing your entire body, thoracic, hips, uh, balance, proprioception. Um, it's, it's a you know a must you, you've mm-hmm. got to be able to do that um yeah. layer two moving on to uh sort of strength um and it's body it's predominantly body weight so uh pull-ups flexed arm hangs uh press-ups um my mind's going blank 
Uh, cardiovascular capacity will be like 2K row. Yeah. 2K row or uh, 10 minute on the assault bike. Yeah. Whichever you want. Um, and then your layer three is, is, is your, your power work and your endurance work. Um, yeah, your agility stuff. Can you, can you, you know, have you, have you seen the T test? Yeah. Yeah, T test. You've got very, to learn very, right. very, very common in American football. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, and there's other things we've, we've, we've factored in there as well. And, um, yeah, those, those assessments are all on the, on my, true coach program mm. which I, I would send out and um that gives me a good snapshot if i've never met you if you're you know on the other side of the world or even in you know different different uh, village or town from us like if i've yeah. never met you i don't know if the the exercises i could give you are going to be right for you mm. so we need we need this assessment first up and it's a thorough thorough total body assessment of, of everything from cardio strength you know the the entire lot is covered and then from there we can start to program accordingly like you might you know you might play american football but you know a, a power sport but you've you can't even uh pull up your own body weight or you can't even uh squat your own body weight yeah. should you be playing you know are you ready to play that power sport or, and you know, this will tell me yes or no, or what we need to work on to improve. Well, I think a lot of people listening would, they, they probably can squat. They probably can squat with weight, but they're not really doing it ideally. So I, I, I think I'd encourage a lot of people to, we're very good. Humans are so adaptable that you can cover up a lot of dysfunction. But over time, the wear and tear, you know, the little niggles in the shoulders, the back pain, the hip pain, um, jiu-jitsu is an asymmetrical sport, just like boxing. You're going to get these imbalances. And I think a lot of people, you can do a lot of, think about it in terms of jiu-jitsu, right? Um, that you've got to go back to ground zero, right? You've got, to, you've got to go back to being a white belt and you've got to go back to accept that you need to take a step backwards to rebuild some of these foundations to work to, to then to then go forward so i think a lot a, a good example would be uh gsp um george st pierre one of the greatest of the greatest of all time when it comes to mma and even during his mma career um he was you know while he was a champion um for us Zahabi, i think he was his coach talk yeah. talk talk talks about this he had a valgus knee fault where the knee was, you know, would go in when he would do certain movements. So even someone at their top, the top of the game of a sport can still have these dysfunctions. Um, but I think he's a great example also of someone that would then just, okay, if you need to tell me I've got to go back to basics, I'll go back to basics. Yeah. So, and you, yeah, I think I'd, I'd really encourage people who are listening to not think, well, I can do all these things, I'm fine. It's really worth going back and looking at some of these assessments to, to really truly see where you are on some of these areas. Yeah, 100%. I mean, some of our, our athletes in here have struggled on some of the tests. And it just, if anything, it's more, it flags up. No, one, no one's perfect. No one is. <clears throat> uh, there's very, very few people who have had that all over athleticism. Um, you know, regardless if you think, you know, if you're a runner 
and you run and you think you're fit in inverted commas like are you strong are you able to run long distances um efficiently yeah a lot of runners aren't a lot of everyday runners are not capable of running properly they can't run and then they'll end up getting injured oh, i see it so often all the time yeah like you should you shouldn't be running with a pain face on unless you're sprinting like the run a run we we're in we you know the human body is developed to run for millennia for endurance we should be efficient our gait should be efficient uh, and then due, due to you know our lifestyle or most people you know the western western life behind a desk uh sat down inside you can't run anymore and then people get out from them desks from behind it and they go for a run and then they wonder why their their knees hurt you know their ankles hurt and it's because they're, they're weak yeah they're weak from the feet weak from the feet up yeah i see people running with terrible form all all the time and i i see them running and i go look i'm really glad that that person has decided to take action and, and do something and i encourage that but if you are listening yeah. to this and you know to, to actually assess you know what your form is like and maybe there's some other stuff that you should be doing and that you, you said pain face right there shouldn't be a pain face when you were when you're running I was teaching um, a jujitsu class the other day and just doing a very, some very basic, just cool down drills at the end of the class. Um, just some hip, hip, hip rotation, internal, external rotation drills just to loosen up the hips at the end of the class. And a good three or four people, a small class, only about eight of us, nearly 50% of the people had a pain face on. One of the, one of the guys was like, looked like he was you know, trying to shit a brick. Um, and I'm like, relax. Why, why you, your face doesn't need to be like that, right? You're not, yeah. you're not trying to go for, you know, kind of the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Relax your face, you know, lose all that tension. You don't need to have all that tension in your face and the neck and yeah, shoulders. See, again, a lot of that is, uh, is the body, the body trying to create stability. Um, nine times out of 10, when people, you know, are trying to move in those end ranges, they'll clamp their jaw shut. Or they'll create, squeeze it. To create tension. Try and create uh, tr- tension and stability from elsewhere other than where they're trying to actually... Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I never thought about it that way because I always thought, thought about it as people just need to kind of relax. Um, and maybe you know, that's part of it. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's, try, it's compensating for a lack of yeah. stabil- stability in other areas. I hadn't thought about it that way. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's very so true. You'll see that. Fingers clench up, the tit, the toes, the teeth clamp down, the face scrunch up. It's because they, you know, they, they can't control the rest yeah. of the body. Which is fine if you're going for a, you know, a maxed effort, personal best oh, yeah, yeah. or deadlift. But hundred percent, yeah. But very rarely, very rarely, very uh, rarely, yeah. I, I kind of interrupted you. Were, were there any anything else you wanted to add to the pillars of athleticism? We got to layer three, kind of power yeah, and ability. Um, yeah, and then obviously, <clears throat> many many people will stay at layer two. They'll okay. stay at layer two. Um, be, the everyday person will stay at probably stay at level two. Um, it all depends on their the sport or what they're actually training for. If it's just training for health and longevity, mm-hmm. you know, then layer two is, is, is far enough. Um, 
layer three, you, you sportsmen and women. Um, but again, it's just a snapshot. It just all depends what sport they're doing um, and how can we make them more efficient in that sport. Because like I said, it's not whatever sport you do, I'm not going to make you better at that sport. I'll make you better prepared for that sport. Yeah. So where would specificity come into this? Is it built through the system or is it something that you would only kind of bring into it? Um, I know specificity is maybe sometimes you know overused in terms of the exercises, but is it, or is it kind of intuitive based on the athlete and based on the sport? Yeah, based, based on both. And then it's yeah. the results I get from the assessments and that's where the, 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 you know, the bespoke programming comes in. Like, there's no generic programs that I give out. It's all on. So it's time-consuming, but then, you know, that's best uh, for that individual. Like, I, there's, you know, I might do a pull-up program, which is generic, but that's just to try and get a pull-up or string a few pull-ups out together. Yeah. Um, but if I'm training someone for sport or to become a more robust, physically active and capable human, then I don't feel it has, it can be generic because what might work for you won't work for your next door neighbor. Yeah. Um, and I need to show that within the programming and then get the results uh, back from you and then, and then take it from there, make it as individualized as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit I know, and I know this with the programs that I put out that, you know, some of the stuff I have on the website, it's, it's generalized, right? And, you know, I think there's stuff you can get from generalized programs, but I know that sometimes it's, it's hard, right? It's hard. It will work quite, quite well for a lot of people, but it's not, it's never going to cover everything. And the only way you're really going to cover everything and to really get deeply into it. And it depends on what you want. If you just want kind of, you know, general, um, you know, general, you know, health and longevity and well-being, yeah, you can get a lot from those things. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you've got an assessment in there that's really looking at what the, what's going on for the person, you know, looking at their, you know, mobility, body awareness, um, you know, strength, body, you know, CV capacity, whatever the case may be, that's when you really go from kind of, you know, okay, good to great to outstanding, right, in terms of the results that you get. Yeah, yeah, of course. But then that's where <clears throat> I'm limited in the fact that a generic program can go out to the masses. Yeah. I can only train and be behind my computer for so long to, to you know what I mean? So I can't take, I won't be able to take hundreds of people on. Yeah. Because of my time. So it's it's tip to tap. This is where uh, this is where artificial intelligence could come in, right? And I I've tried to balance it with my. I think people know, right? My the BJJ strength is this is a site. It's a, I want it to become you know a full time thing and open my own school and jujitsu school and have this part of it. Um, but I've got a full time job. I've got kids, right? So I'm limited. So I've always tried to strike that balance between you know generalized programs that I think work well for for people. And I'm 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 honest about it that you know. If you're a high-level competitor, you're going to need something else. Um, but this is where I think artificial intelligence could come in, because if you could get some, if you could train artificial intelligence to learn your logic 
And if you could, you know what, uh, this, I, I, this a bit, it's a bit random. I had to do a little bit of this with my work, my, with my day, my, my day job. But over time, and you continue to program it, as you learn more and your logic changes, you, you program that logic into the system, right? So you could you outsource your decision-making, but it's always your logic. It's, they're still your decisions, but you've outsourced the actual actual. Because it's a lot of it is if you really break it down, there's there's intuition in there, and there's kind of you know the eye of the coach and the gut feel based on what you see with people. But a lot of it is going through at least the way my mind works is going through a checklist of items and going if this then that. It would be amazing if you could program this stuff, and then like because it's unfortunate, right, that your time is limited. It's unfortunate yeah. that you can't work with you know a hundred people a month because people lose people lose that benefit, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that's you know, um, that's just the uh, the nature of the beast. Like I'd rather keep, you know, uh, a smaller pool of, of of clients, but make it as 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 good as I can, and then they are repeat custom. Um, yeah, they're they're with me for the long term, and not just the the short term uh, six week transformation bullshit that you see so much of and. I've seen. I saw. I saw something, um, and I won't name the per. I, I can't even remember the person's name, but it was getting the best shape of your life for nine weeks. And I think this person had done some work with. He had done some work with a top level Jiu Jitsu fighter, and he posted that as part of the advertising. And I won't name that person's name either. Um, but they're top, top of the top. But I look at it and I go, "There is okay. If you you can get you can improve a lot in nine weeks." You may get into the best shape of your life in nine weeks because you've done nothing before, but to reach your true physical potential in nine weeks, never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never. And then what happens, what happens in week 10? <clears throat> they, 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 don't know. You know I mean? they start again or they give up. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing with that. It's like you've got a restricted goal there, like get to nine weeks. Get through nine weeks and you're done. That's you, finish. Yeah. No, it's not. You're not even started. Don't right. get me wrong, right? There's benefits. There's benefits to programs like that. There are a lot of, you know, let's say it's a 12-week program to, let's say, take handstands as an example. Yeah. Um, a 12-week online program you could follow, you could probably get really good handstands in 12 weeks, I guess. My handstands are shit. Or a 12-week program to, to learn the Turkish get-up or the kettlebell swing. Yeah. You, can, you can use those programs. They're very, very good. But you've got to then you've got to know how it fits into everything and you've let, you asked the perfect question what happens in week 10 yeah what happens after that exactly mm. um, and then yeah you've you've got to <clears throat> that, I'll, that's why I'll never do them them transformation things i just can't abide them they might be okay to get to get people in and get people started but it puts an end goal on on your training, yeah. Um, and then people get to week six, week ten, and then it's like, right, nice one, I've made it. Yeah, I'm looking great. Here's my photo, everybody. And then, bang, six weeks later, same shape they've been. They went off the rails, back to square one. It's the it's the the strength and conditioning equivalent of a crash diet. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. 
dude, we yeah. could we, we could rant on about this. I I've got to I've got to drop in about five minutes. Um, yeah, no problem. Same here. Dude, you've I, I, yet again you've dropped some serious knowledge. I really appreciate that. You're a great. Yeah, I was saying when you were you were gone. You're a great guy. Um, it's been it's it's always a pleasure speaking to you. And I said you've given me my reading list for the next six to twelve months. And I've I've encouraged people. They said that you know you take this very seriously, and you know you're not going to throw names out out there unless you're you know you've really gone into the material and you've re and you really know that this is yeah this stuff is good um, and this is legit. Yeah. So um, yeah. you know thank you. Uh, anything that you would. Anything you want to leave the listeners with? Any closing thoughts? Um, not really, mate. Just, uh, you know, I appreciate asking me on again. Um, yeah. yeah, great to be on here again. Um, and yeah, if anyone is is uh, is thinking about it, give me a shout. Let's let's see what we can do. Um, whatever sport you play. Um, or even if it's just general fitness, like we can we can definitely help help people out. Don't matter where you are on the planet. Where can um where can they find you? So um the Facebook page is Cumbria Strength and Conditioning. Um yeah. my Instagram page is Cumbria underscore S underscore C. Um and then my email is Matty M A T Y at Cumbria SC dot co dot UK. Awesome. Um, I think that's all bases covered. Yeah, I'll, I'll put I'll put those into into the show description as well. Um, and guys, obviously, if you you know you're a performance athlete, clearly Matty, Matty's got that covered. But you know, when we talked last time, he overcame a lot of problems with kind of you know back pain from being being in the Marines. If you're just someone that I I, I always assume that most people listening to this podcast train jujitsu, and you know, if you just want to stay healthy, look after yourself. Um, or if you just what you don't train jujitsu, you need to listen to this podcast, and you don't want to have you know knee pain, right? You don't want to have back pain, shoulder pain, all that kind of stuff, right? I think the, your Matty could could really cover pretty much all the bases. So I'd encourage you to to, to reach out them and do that. Awesome, mate! Fantastic, mate! Right, I'll I will stop the record.